Hey guys, on today's episode of Hate to Break It to You, I interview, this is going to be for all you scream heads, the original Ghostface, Lee Waddell. Now, you're going to say Ghostface. Yes, he is the physical embodiment of Ghostface. He's the first Ghostface who killed on screen and his first kill in the movie, obviously, I think was Drew's boyfriend, actually. But I think on screen, the first kill was Drew. Uh, and he has become a buddy of mine. And obviously the voice of Ghostface is Roger Jackson, but he is the body and acting of Ghostface. And, um, yeah, it's awesome. But people don't know all the other stuff he's done. He's done some really iconic things. Um, I don't want to give it away because we talked about it in the episodes, but he's got at least five pop culture hits in at least three different decades that he's been a part of. Uh, multiple universes, uh, from horror to action to comic book. And he's got a lot of stories so we didn't share. <laughs> but uh, think of him as he's a Cliff Booth type. You know what I'm saying? He's a good old boy, and he's been doing this a long time. So he really, for all you cinephiles, He's been on all the sets of some of your favorite movies, and uh, we go down the rabbit hole. So I hope you enjoy it. Peace. I got my first sponsor, my first legit sponsor, and it's underwear. And it's sheath. Sheath underwear. Now, I didn't take them out before. Now, these are really interesting underwear. First of all, they smell really good. I mean, they don't smell good. That was gay. Um... They do smell good, actually. They're soft. That's why I put on my face. They're soft underwear. They're naturally cool. Okay? They're called sheath underwear. They've got this cool logo on them. And then their whole gimmick is that you put your donger, you put your stuff there, and then this is a to-do. I mean, then you put your tube in there. I don't know if you can see that. So your donger rests your... Your uh, your your bits are in there, and your kibble is in there, and then it's literally like it. You know, it gives you a nice little a little extra uh, package there if you like that. If you're a person that wears jeans, and they got these cool colors, they're funky. And I'm gonna tell you something. Go to sheathunderwear.com. Use my promo code. I don't sleep in underwear, man. I usually sleep buck because I have sheets like this. Even these are pretty soft. Like I have bamboo sheets. These are pretty almost like them. That's pretty right on there. I, I would sleep on this if it was a sheet. And it's cool, like naturally cool. I like to sleep exactly. How, I don't like to wear underwear. I wore these to bed last night, and I didn't feel like they were cutting off my circulation. I fell asleep. Like, this isn't me being a hoe. This is me believing. I believe in these underwear. Like, um, we just started our partnership, you know. In order for them to be my sponsor, I got to get views, you know. And I think that there's a lot of things that we have to do. But it's like the algorithm is tough. Um, but I love them. The brand, I haven't met the owner yet, but he's an upstart. It looks awesome. It's actually a very good product. You get a discount. You should try them. If you like underwear... If you like your package packaged up, um, I would try them, man. They're fucking good. 
they're really good. Like, I'm not going to do anything that I don't try. You know what I'm saying? So, try them. Do it. Sheathunderwear.com. And, and promo code Jamie. See, I yawned in the middle of that. You couldn't do that on TV because it doesn't matter. Everyone knows everyone's a liar, and I'm not lying. All right, we're going to go. We're going to do it. <laughs> we're going to do pull it. it back. <laughs> just... He says cans. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special guest. You are a special guest. I'm, yeah, I'm special, all right. You are special. <laughs> a man who I've become friends with over the last year. I'm just going to jump right into it. He is many things. But he is. Are you ready for this? This is big. Are you ready to tell for me to tell you who I have? I literally have Ghostface, the original Ghostface. There it is, Lee Waddell. What's up, buddy? Man, it's cool to be here. Thanks for having me in. It's 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 uh. Put that you know, close to your mouth. We're sitting down here in in the lair. In the in, lair. That's in, right. Yes, in the in the Jamie Kennedy lair. We have a lot of things in common. You were driving in. Tell me what happened. You said you were going to tell me something. Oh, it's just cool to be back down in this area, right? You know, I don't live in L.A. anymore. I live down there in, in Texas, and uh, it's cool being back down here because where your cool little studio is is right, you know, Hollywood Studios there, Paramount's right down there. I mean, you're right in the heart of it. It's really fun to be back down here. You like that, right? Yeah, because it takes me back to that time when... You know, we're, when I was making movies, we're all hustling. We're down here just ground pounding, talking to stunt coordinators, producers, just whatever it took to get a job. So it's, you know, it's kind of fun being back down here in this area again. Now, this is a good medium for you because with our panels, which you started joining, mm -hmm. you can tell a story, but we only have X amount of time and. We like to all, you know, so many different personalities. It's insane. Yeah, it's it's pretty fun up there. It is wild, but we all have to give each other time. Right. And um, it's, you know, we got to be brief, you know, do a joke, tell a quickie, and boom, in your house, like a soundbite. Yeah. Uh, but here, I think you could talk freely, and it could get your stories out very succinctly. So how old are you? I just turned 61. Matt and I see her birthday, 24. Really? Yeah. yeah, he just turned, I think, 54. Wow. Yeah. You, Matt, and Skeet are all, like, in the same week. Yeah, we're all stacked up in there. Wow. So that's cool. And, you know, you're telling me I should buy a house outside of California. That's just me, brother. I mean. Have I? Have you given up on California? Yes, I have. I'm, I'm that guy. I mean. How long have you been out? Um, Let's see. I got out of here. 20, 2015, I think, is when I bought that first property down there in Texas. So I had rental properties down there before, but when I bought my primary residence, that's what it, was, it was in 15. Where are you originally from? So I've been, well, obviously in South California, Southern California, but, like, I was born in Princeton, got out of there quick. Mm -hmm. I, couldn't, I couldn't even talk yet, and I articulated that we need to leave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I'm like, go. Um, and then... Uh, you know, I spent a lot of time in Memphis, and the family farm was down just south of Memphis in Memphis in, in Mississippi. Your so. formative years were there? Yeah, and then um, Dad took a job out in California, so I came out here. But then every summer, I got to go back home, or what I considered home was the family farm. When did you start coming out to California? Oh, man, I was young. I was probably three, four, right there. So you're all, you've been indoctrinated in California oh, yeah, for your whole, your whole life. Absolutely. I mean, Almost 60 years. Yeah, Southern California was my world. I loved everything about California. I mean, it's a cool state. Still is. Like, you can't beat the state. 
Yeah. It's a great place to live. Weather's awesome. Dude, look at what you just said. This is so beautiful. You can't beat the state. I mean, look at you. You, and God bless his soul, I'm going to get sad, but, you know, I just went to the funeral of my celluloid father, Ryan O'Neill. Right. And I consider him an epic California man. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, and it is. It's like you cannot beat the state, and I know where you're going. You can beat the people, but the, the locals, like, for me, driving up the coast, Topanga, Malibu, the real Malibu heads, yeah, you got the legends and the stars that have moved in and lived there, like, you know, shares Malibu head. You know, she's lived there for over thirty-five years, so I'm going to call her that. But the originals before Share are the people that live in those motorhomes, and literally, it was a little hippie community. Right, exactly. You know, because they used to have they back in that era. That was like shacks on the beach, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And uh, that whole scene as that was evolving back there in the fifties, really the sixties, seventies when it hooked in. You know, in this whole surf era, and. Um, and That's, how was it? Was it expensive? I don't know. Back then, no, I don't think so. You know, back then it was. It wasn't that it wasn't discovered, but it's just like, oh, it's a bunch of beach dudes at the beach, right? And then it kind of got, you know, obviously development, development, and now Santa Barbara all the way down to Tijuana, you can't buy on the coast, dude. <laughs> even Carpinteria is expensive, right? You know, and uh, but I look at people like yourself, Ryan O'Neill, Alyssa. Even though you're not, uh, like, born here, like, the people that are the real natives of this state are the, mo- are the best people in California. And it's like, like you said, I'm an hour ten away from skiing. I'm an hour from the beach. I'm an hour from, you know, the inner city, 30 minutes. I'm, I'm cl- you can do anything here. Yeah, and actually, I mean, a bunch of the stunt guys and I, we always used to pile in and do, like, we'd go... Ski, mountain bike, and surf. They did this triathlete thing all in one day. Wow. <laughs> and uh, so it was really, you know, whether a state can you do that? And you can't. No, you can't. Right? You really can't. And um, But you think the state is going down? Yeah, the state, as far as, you know, a business entity or business model, the state's broke. It's been broke for years. And I mean physically broke. You know, they have no financial responsibility in this place. Dude, the amount of taxes I paid this year was so insane. Insane, right? And last night I told you I got an argument with a homeless chick. Right, because she needed some taxes paid, apparently. she, Dude, she was so, every time I sell, got loud, she got louder. I was like, damn, she's not backing down. And she was so mad at me because she was, I don't know, on drugs or something. I was like, she was calling the person I was with a bitch and all this stuff. I'm like, she's not a bitch. Long story boring is. I'm like, this chick is so nuts. And I'm like, you're not going to intimidate me on these. Like, This is my neighborhood. This is where I live. So part of me doesn't ever want to leave because I want it to be what it was. I want it to be like, if you drive by Paramount right now, dude, it's a ghost town. The only thing that's popping is Netflix. And they they built six buildings, but they're not all occupied. Like, there's definitely automated jobs in there. Warner Brothers is kind of a ghost town. Disney is there but it's quiet i mean it's wild dude yeah yeah is hollywood you know is hollywood is not like it was back in our time i mean yeah you're still producing you're still doing things but you know i've retired out right i did my time had a great career stayed healthy and i'm out right um but in my era um it's changed a hundred times over and it's 
you know, Hollywood, like we're the premieres. Where's that whole thing, right? It's all gone. It's never like that again. So, Do you feel, like someone was saying that they do feel like there's less premieres and stuff. Absolutely. You know, and and obviously we had our COVID little jaunt mm-hmm. um, and that put a dampener on it. But even prior to that, I don't remember. When's the last time that they did one at Man's Chinese with the whole, like it used to be, right? I think they still do them for like movies like Barbie and stuff, but it doesn't feel like there was two premieres a week. You know what I mean? And they were huge and they were exciting. And, yeah. And if I didn't, wasn't in the movie, I would go to a movie premiere just to have fun. Right. And that's, you know, I don't, I, I can't remember the last time it's happened like that. Right. And, you know, it's, it's changed so much. What era did you start working in Hollywood? 70s or 80s? So I came in in 80s. Right? Okay. Early 80s is when I tapped it in. Okay. And my last, um, my last film was 2015. I think it was X-Men. Wow. Right. This is one of the most insane may, many credits he has. So you go in, and you were an actor and a stuntman, but primarily stunts? Yeah, primarily stunts. You know, I could throw a couple of lines and pull it off. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And that was great. And then, um, you know, I still did. In fact, I did this really no-budget uh, horror film six months ago, right before right before the strike. We got it in the can. Mm-hmm. And it was like, hey, come in and play a tough guy. I'm like, well, there's a stretch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I really had to really stretch myself to go there. Mm-hmm. You know, did a couple of lines, and we had a great time with it. It was really super fun because it was no budget, and it took me back to the times of, like, film school when we had no budget. It was, like, guerrilla filmmaking, and we're eating off the taco truck, and I'm like, this is a blast. Yeah. So that kind of rekindled that spirit for making movies again, not as a stunt performer. Yeah. You want me to play the drunk at the bar falls off? I'm qualified. Yes. But don't ask me to go freaking pipe. You know, pipe ramp a car. I don't want to do that. What's that pipe ramp a car mean? You know, because remember when, like, you've seen great car chases and the car hauling ass and all of a sudden it runs into the back end of another car and it shoots the moon and spirals through the air and just wrecks, right? Yeah. Usually those were done with pipe ramps and we have these. Oh, that's, ramps. I know. It's yeah, and those gotcha. pipe, and they're, the, the ramp is made out of a pipe, so it grabs the, it, for the most part, it grabs the A-arm of the front suspension. And if you hit it right and you do your job as the stunt driver, Hang on for the ride, because, boys, it, 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 you go, mm-hmm. right? And so I wouldn't want to do that at my age anymore. And there's plenty of guys that are my age that came into the business with me and we all came up together, and they're still grinding. They're still working. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, man, I mean, I, get, I love that in one aspect, but, it, you know, you pay, you're going to pay deficits later for the sins, yeah. sins of our youth. But you I know? feel like only – I feel like, you know, real cinephiles are still doing a lot of practical – Obviously, Quentin, yeah, love you know, Paul Thomas Anderson, Martin, you know, the real, you know, Francis Ford Coppola just did a big movie. I'm sure he's doing practical. But I, I doubt these guys use CGI much because they're such cinephiles and they want the realness of the movie. Well, and you may or may not have heard me say this before, but, um, yeah, I'm a big practical guy. And, I know you are. And I liked, you know, and I was in the, I was in the great, position to where i saw cgi come in and all this stuff and everybody freaking out they're like oh it's gonna put the stunt guy out of business i'm like no you guys watch this you know and we used to have to use when we were on cables instead of now spectra but when we were doing all of our wire work Mm -hmm. um, we'd have to like shoot around those wires and light around those wires and, and make them black so they wouldn't show up now you know here we are 
30 years later. It's great. Watch this. And you could take a cable out with a, with a, a pointer. I mean, it's that quick. Um, so it's taken, it just blew the doors wide open. I mean, look where stunts went after CGA got introduced. Look mm. at the biggest box buster grosses, right? They're ha- stunt like Michael Bay. Right. He's a practical guy. I'm sure I'm sure he likes both. Yeah, he is. Um, but look what happened to the to, to action when CGI got involved, where you could just do stuff against green screens with wires. More. You're Huge. saying it's more. Absolutely. Blew the doors off of it, right? Mm. Um, and so it was great. It was a positive. You know, I, I guess I'll say these names, but it's like if I didn't really get to talk to him much, but if you talk to Jack Nicholson. I tried like heck to double him. <laughs> I bet you would have been great. I, mean, I made a good Jack double, but I never got a chance to double him. Oh. I mean, I only exchanged a few sentences with him because I worked on as good as it gets. But, you know, I get the vibe that the 60s was, he said, the golden time of Hollywood. But if you talk to Marlon Brando, it was the 50s, right? I never talked to Marlon. If you talk to Robert Downey Jr., he saw, he loved the 80s. You know what I'm saying? If you talk to me, it's the 90s and the early in the 2000s, you know? But everyone has different. What, for you, where do you like it? So I loved, you know, my, my career ran from, let's call it, 84 to 2015. Mm-hmm. So I had a run. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I stayed. 30-some years. Right, 30-plus 30, you know, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And so I got to see three decades worth, from early 80s, 90s, to 2000s, 2015s. Mm-hmm. Right? So, like I said, I'm a practical guy, so I enjoy practical stunts. Even, mm. And then when the rigging came in with the wire work, that was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that. You know, I was on the the very first Spider-Man, and when I rigged on that thing for months, and we had such a blast. Wow. You know? Um, but I think for... I'm talking about the overall aspect I of love, Hollywood. I'm talking yeah. about the fun zone. I think the 80s were the fun zone. Because the 80s, outside of, even outside of Hollywood, the 80s were a pretty fun decade. Like... Yeah, get like if people were doing coke, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, it was, life was fast in the eighties. I mean, it was full throttle. <laughs> you say fast? It was right. <laughs> you know, I had, uh, I was working in Miami a little bit down in the eighties, and God, what a scene! Wow, what a scene! I can only imagine, right? Yeah. I mean, what show? Were you doing Miami Vice? No, it wasn't on Vice. It was, it was right before. I think it was before Vice. And, um, God, I was down there working on a, I think I was working on a commercial. Mm-hmm. And I was down there with uh, a stud buddy who lived down there. And we would go down, what's the main strip, right? On the beach down there? Collins. <laughs> Collins Avenue. Is that the one, that, like, the beach is on one side and cool looking, like, Art Deco's on the other side? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're walking down there and it's just, people are playing music on the freaking rooftops. I mean, like, performing. Mm-hmm. Right? And it was just so fun. And we were down there like, and we, remember those Kawasaki mules that we used in production? Mm-hmm. We were driving around. I don't know where the hell we got it. We were driving around on that. And, God, I can fun. only imagine what, you, what you saw. Music and people and it was fun. I liked Miami. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a cool scene. When I moved out to L.A., it was uh, late 80s. It was 89. And then I'll never forget it. Like, I literally got off a bus. I took a bus. And I got off a bus. Where I got dropped off the depot, and then I took a bus to Hollywood. And I was walking down, and I literally saw the stars on the street. Yeah. 
palm trees, pizza places. I saw at least three girls roller skating in neon. I saw dudes breakdancing. It was like a movie. Right. And the girls were just skateboarding in beautiful, like, bikini tops and, like, neon pants. Where would you see that now? Like, on Hollywood Boulevard. And people riding bikes. And I'm not saying it was crispy clean, but it was, I felt great. I was like, oh, my God, I just stepped into Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Right. Yeah. Can you imagine? Well, think about this. this, Think about this stereotypical view that people have of SoCal and and Hollywood and everything. And, you know, just like, I mean, you're the quintessential story. You Mm -hmm. got off a bus in Hollywood. Bam. Yeah. Right. How many thousands of people? Hundreds of thousands. Have done that looking for their shot at fortune and fame and bump to be in Hollywood and an actor and actress or whatever their drive is. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, and every year and then. I don't. I assume it still plays out like that. I don't know, but you know. I don't know how people think of what they're going in their mind, what they think they're going to achieve now, because it's such a different vibe. You know, but think about what people think about, like, oh, there's the beach, and they see, they see Venice, not Venice now, but Venice then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, Venice now is pretty interesting. Yes, <laughs> it's pretty interesting down there. Getting back to the state, like you said, though, like we have every climate. And so the state is a beautiful state, and it's literally where the, you know, Michael Lovitz is a quintessential dream. He he was a guy, exactly what I think Hollywood is. Like, his dad, like, owned a liquor store in Westwood. He went to UCLA and started in the mailroom of William Morris and basically created the super agency, so much so that they excommunicated him and they kicked him out. And there's a lot of, you know, reasons why people think they did. But he created the package. But he started as a mailroom intern for no money. And he started, what I say, at the bottom of the hill. And then he became the top of Bel Air Mountain. And that's what this town represents to me. You can do it. Mm -hmm. You can do it. But it's, you gotta make moves and you gotta be real about it. Right. And... What's beautiful about today's world with social media and, and, and the opportunity that's presented now, right? It's never been another time in history. So, like, you know, you and me have the beautiful pleasure and, and the blessings of doing these cons together. Incredible. And right? And people are like, oh, how do you do this? I'm like, dude, there's no, there's never been a better time in history to go make a movie mm-hmm. and get it out there to people. Mm-hmm. And as an artist, right, you want, as an artist, you want your art to be seen, Right. And hopefully appreciated. Mm -hmm. And if it's, you know, depending on what that art form is, you know, experienced and vibed and all that cool stuff. Maybe it's maybe it's art that's on the wall. Maybe it's art that's on the TV or wherever it's coming from. But as an artist, there's never been a better time to get your art seen and out Mm -hmm. in, in the public. I agree. You just have to market it. Right. So here it is. Just like the same reason you became successful is you just got to grind. Yes. And you can't stop. Yes. And you don't let up. And you got to love what you do. Mm-hmm. You got to understand that the process is kind of the success. But that was just it. When I was breaking in to the stunt business, and this is early 80s, right? Um, all I wanted to do was be a stuntman. And all I wanted to do was, you know, do stunts and be an actor and just make movies. Make movies, rough and tumble, throw back some, you know, shots mm-hmm. with the boys, hook up with hotties. You know, but all I wanted to do was that. And there was no, there was no other vision. 
Mm-hmm. So it was a 24-7 hustle job. And at one time, I was working three jobs to pay for my stunt habit. That's how addicted I was. Right? That's amazing. That's what you have to be. But that's that's the passion that comes with that. You have to do that, at least in my opinion. You can't half-ass it, right? Anything in life. Yeah. Right? Anything. I love that you said that because it's that's the truth. I, I feel the same exact way. You know. Now, how how is the culture of the town? Like Because like I'm saying, like on set, people would... You know, there's a lot of energies and people would hang out and people hook up and people party. Like now that's such a <laughs> that would be a weird time, right? Like do, yeah. you feel like it was much more fun and chill, correct? Yeah, back in my time, I heard hell yeah, it was a big old party. You know, you'd roll in. We'd roll in at like um I won't name direct names. Don't name. I won't Don't name. I won't I'll tell you what film it was. Um, <laughs> okay, go for it. Like I rolled into Chicago on U.S. Marshals, right? Okay, all right. And um, one of the actors on that was an owner, part owner of a bar that was on Rush Street, yeah, which is synonymous, you know, great street because it's you go to bar to bar to bar, and it's a fun time. And Chicago is a fun town. Oh yeah, you know, and it's a very young town. Mm-hmm. And so they we, get after it. Yeah. So obviously, I want to assimilate myself to the uh, <laughs> to the culture. Mm-hmm. So we rolled in there. I don't know what day it was. I think it was on. They traveled us. We were on a six day schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a pretty heavy sc- shoot schedule. Um, so we traveled either Saturday, Friday, or Saturday. So we rolled in there, and we were staying downtown, right next to Rush. Everything was walking distance. I don't know if we were in the Sheridan or the Hyatt, but you know, nice place. Mm-hmm. And the, all the production was in there. We dropped our bags. And hit the lobby, and freaking out the door we go, right? And then we roll in at oh dark thirty. It's probably four o'clock in the morning, and yeah. we just been and we just terrorized the bars. Yeah, <laughs> and we our set call was like six. Yeah, it's common, right? So we'd get in, take a shower, clean up, hit transport six, work all day, twelve to fourteen hour day, do it again, and do it again. And we tore it up for two weeks straight like that. I came back from that location before we went off to another location on the same film. But we came back for like a, a week reset while they moved. And, uh, man, I came back so dog sick. We were just exhausted. But what's crazy is you're the stunt guys. Yeah. And you're supposed to be careful. And you guys are working hungover. Absolutely. <laughs> back in the day, we were just full throttle. Yeah. You know, it was so fun. And we were just. You know, that's just how it was. And uh, it was great. It was a good time. I, uh, and I was an old school guy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, the guys that brought me into the business were from the 60s, 70s. So when I started breaking into the, you know, in the 80s, um, those dudes were, you know, I thought I was wild. Those guys were hardcore, man. They were just tough and mean and drinking and poker. And, yeah, I mean, we just, God, they were fun. I know. You know, it's funny. I have a lawyer, and he's my buddy for a long time, and he works for an old-school lawyer, and the old-school lawyer has a big bottle of uh, Glenn. What is it? Glenn Livitz or something? Yeah, something nice. Glenn, whatever it is. It's just, and this guy, I'm like, what's that for? And he goes, when he has long negotiations, he puts a shot glass out for him and the other person he's negotiating against. And it's like, I'm like, that's old school. Like, you know what I mean? But that's how things were done. Hard drinking, hard partying. You know what? Everyone had fun. It's, I always tell people making a movie is intense, but it's a privilege. 
And it's it like there, there's going to be things that are uncomfortable on the movies. As long as it's not illegal or immoral, fucking get over it. But now you, I can't half the stories you you could tell me. You guys be looking at fucking jail time. It's crazy. Oh, it's an HR nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> an HR nightmare. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I can't even imagine. Oh, yeah. You know, but that's how it was. That's how I was brought into the business, you know, with these guys. And I did a movie once. I'm not going to name it, but me and another actor who was my boy forever, we, we would go from place to place. We did like four movies together. And we just would go. We went to the local Hooters. And we just went and we hung out at the Hooters and then we hung out and grabbed a couple, you know, Hooter chicks. It was fun. As we used to say, cut a couple out of the herd. (laughs) (laughs) And then we all came back and like, you guys are making a movie. And then we got a couple other people from the, and we would just party till 6 a.m. until our suite. And the Hooter, and we never paid for anything in that Hooters again. I mean, and that was a thing that we would just do. They know you're in town. You're there for a month. And it was a blast. Yeah, and it's like now. I mean, I can't imagine what be, between people taking pictures and tweeting about. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like nothing is in the little bubble anymore, right. which is good if it's a bad thing. But there's a lot of things that aren't bad that are just judged. Yeah, absolutely. I would I would say in in you know I would say it's unsafe now. <laughs> right? right, you're right. <laughs> it's unsafe. You're right, and and not necessarily physically. But you know, it, it's uh, it's uh, it's unsafe. Because Do you know why, Lee? Because I thought about this. We are in a very privileged life, absolutely, know? and we work very hard. You work very hard, like you said. You gave up everything to do what you love. You know, I did as well. And we understand how privileged it is now even more. Even my sister, who was grilling me the other night, she lives in another country, and she's like, she knows about these cons. And she was asking me, so like, what do you make? And I tell her, and she's like, she's like, oh, so who's buying dinner tonight? And she was like, I'm like, she's like, she's like, well, you're privileged. And I was like, I so am. And she so goes, am. and she's like, I mean, can you believe it? And I'm like, no. And she's like, well, she's like, lucky, it's lucky you. She's like, but that's what you know, light shines on you, and it is true. Like it's insane what's happening I bring a resurgence and it's like scream is like marvel and uh it's a privilege but there's so many people that don't it's such a small it's like it's like being an mlb player like unless you've been in those locker rooms which i have and i'm not even a baseball player during big games i understand how different it is compared to public sees and so when people get to see inside the machinations and they're over here, they just are going to comment on shit they don't know. And that's what the world is in general. There are people are commenting on so much shit that they do not know. Yeah, and, and that's that's just part of the society. And because now they have a they have a platform to do it. Yeah. You know, they have huge amounts of social media. But who cares what platform it's on? They have the ability now to to you know, have their small voice heard. Yeah. And so judgments come, you know, they come swift, even though they're like, you know, there's a, you could grab a picture that's, that's, you know, pictures worth a thousand words, mm-hmm. you know, and then they put a narrative to it. That's not even accurate. Mm-hmm. And there you go. Mm-hmm. Now you've done so many legendary things and I'm going to talk to you about them, some of them, but I got to start. Let's, let's start with scream. How did you even get involved with scream? Yeah, and and you know we'll say this for your viewers because obviously you know I've done panels and we know our histories, but you know for me, um, so I came into the business early '80s, mm-hmm. okay, 
And one of my mentors, and I had several, but one of my dearest mentors, and he's still a good friend to this day, is his name is Tony Caesar. Yeah, a legend, a legend. in, in the stunt business. You know, people have no idea how, I mean, he, he did it all, right? Yeah, a legend. He is. Um, and he gets out there on the cons occasionally, and people don't realize that he was with Wes for freaking, what, 20-plus years, whatever. I mean, a long time. All the nightmares. He did them all. He did them from, I think. Serpent in the Rainbow. Which was, you know, that was, it was a really cool movie. I went back and watched it again. Very good. And I think it was actually Wes's best film. In a way, I understand what you're saying. I don't know. That's harsh to say because I'm in Scream and you're in Scream. So let's, it is. let's slow down for a second well, there. Okay. And Nightmare's incredible. But it's a sneakily amazing movie. I have to watch it again. It might be Wes's deepest movie in terms Good, of like. Okay, let's go that way. Like, I'll say that. Like Santeria and whatever. that. It's the, it's based off of real shit. Right. And that's what's, what's it's creepy. Yeah. It's creepy for sure. It is. And the, when I say it's his best film, that's. In the the van, I mean, because okay. obviously, yeah, blasphemous. Super, We're both in scream. Come I know, on, and I'm Jesus super biased. Lee. I'm super biased. <laughs> Ghostface is even saying it's a- <laughs> so. Yeah, I'm the OG. So yeah, but um, but you got to remember that. So I did almost every film that Wes did from Nightmare One all the way through Scream Two, with the exception of Serpents. Wow, and, you didn't do that one. Yeah, I just wild. Well, it was Dominican Republic. Yeah. And, you know, I'm like, hey, do you got like this bald doctor Caucasian guy? And they're like, nope. <laughs> I'm like, hey. So you're, but you were doing anything, falling through glass, getting stabbed, whatever. Yeah, you know, I was an all around stunt guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I was just a solid stunt guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so you, you go know. up on the set of Scream, you get called, and they, whether they, they usually for run a picture, or you're going to yeah. do like a week. Yeah, so. The Drew stuff was its own movie. Everyone has to know that was the first week to get Drew in and get her out. Yeah, and uh, and very busy. Pressure was on, and yeah, remember. So Drew, not that she's totally dominating again, but back then she was, you know, top of the career, top of the food chain, right? Yeah, and now she's just crushing her demon more. Mm -hmm. Shows, magazines, she had been a legend for you know since almost 1980. So yeah, and she's forever, right? And she's royalty. Mm -hmm. Also, Uh, I consider Drew. Her her bloodline. She's part of the 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 soil of Hollywood. Like literally, Old her school. no, her family was like one of the five families that created Hollywood. Yeah. And she has that, and she's a queen. Yeah, she is royalty, right? Hundred percent. And and she's but it's funny. For that being said, she's such a sweet person. So sweet. Such a cool, 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 and really gay man. She's she's a you know she's game. She's a game. I hate to say it this way because it's Drew, but it's like she's a game chick, man. She's mm-hmm. Smart girl. She's down to do to make the scene great. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, so you get there, and what happens? So here's how it all goes. Don't now. be scared. So, um. So before it even starts, um, Tony's you know in, in pre-production, right? And he's like, "Hey, we got this." You know, Wes is doing another movie. I'm like, "Great, let's play," because it's always and you you know it was always the same. Wes was there. Tony was there. Effects guy was there. A lot of the same people year after year after year. And uh, I'm like, sign me up. What are we doing? He goes, well, you worked with Drew before. I'm like, yeah, she's great. What did you work with Drew in? Um, what was the first one? I worked with her on. Um, she did it with Tom Skerritt was the actor. Real racy, edgy thing. Oh, Poison Ivy? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think it's Poison Ivy. Yeah, it was. Okay. 
So here's where, um, and I met with her. Which is a little bit before this movie, but not a couple right, years Right, I before. think it was probably, was, so we were in 95, I think Poison Ivy. 96. Like, yeah, we, filed, we filmed in 95. No, 96. No, filmed in 95, released in 96. 96. I still got the shot. You want to see the purple? I'll show it to you. April of 96. <laughs> I'm dead serious. All right, we'll put it in the comment section. Yeah, when bring it out, we people. Film? 96. So I worked with Drew back on Poison Ivy, and here's where I found out how cool she was, right? Mm-hmm. Outside of just the fun personality she is. There's a scene in there where she goes out the window, and she's at the and I think it's at the end, obviously. Um, and there's a close-up that the director wanted to do where she hits the pavement, right? Mm-hmm. And there's no way to... And I literally, and we're shooting this thing, and they're like, no, we need this close-up and the way it was up. And, and I'm like, you know, there ain't no way we're going to drop her on her face, right? You know? mm-hmm. So what we ended up doing is we did a, the, I literally straddled her. She's face down, and I go, and I picked her up by the hips. She planks, right? And I have her, I'm straddling her, so she's good 18 inches off the ground. And I just go, and on action, I just drop her. Boom. Mm-hmm. And she just sucks up and just falls flat. I mean, pans it, sells it, hits. I'm like, God, what a grab. I mean, on, on, on her, was there, was it fake asphalt? I think we had like a padded asphalt. Yeah, we had like a blue, not blue. We had that real high density uh, black foam. Okay, right? good, good. Yeah, so there was a little bit of give to it. But, but man, she I, went into it. Yeah, and I mean, it's only a half inch, and you're just. Yeah. <laughs> like, so she hits the pavement hard. Yeah, she just sucks it up and goes for it. I'm like, God, what a stunt, man. What a girl. How cool is that? Yeah, so you knew that she was great. Yeah, so I'm like, that was her, that was her enduring moment to me. You mm-hmm. know? It was like stunt man to stunt woman. I'm like, yeah, that's a way to suck it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah, she's a huge, mm-hmm. becoming a huge adult star at this point, a young right? you know. So, so we had a great screen. time. Right, so we had a great time working together, and she was real fun. And then, so here we are a couple of years later. Um and we're on screen now. So mm-hmm. Tony goes, hey, you work with Drew? I'm like, yeah, I did this with her. And she's super game and fun. I love to work with her. And obviously I knew Wes. And then he goes, why don't you come in and, and you want to do the opening scene? I'm like, sure, whatever. So we zip on up there. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was, where did we shoot? Napa, I guess. Petaluma. Um, Petaluma. Petaluma. And, um, you know, and here we are, scene one. And most people don't realize that. You know, we were shooting in sequence, right? We scene one. It was day one, take one, night, you know, everything one. I mean, opening it, kitchen night. Yeah, bang. That's how we started. Okay. And uh, you know, I get there, and there's this another Wes Craven, another Tony Caesar. <laughs> we're having a blast. You know, I'm like, hey, let's have fun. And you had you just didn't know what this was going to be. It was well, just I, another movie. It was just another West movie. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, so um, I had no idea that. It was going to be what it is now, or mm-hmm. was then. Mm-hmm. You know, I know that I was on it for the first two, two and a half weeks. I guess. I mean, I went through the growing pains of like, hey, they're going to shut us down, right? Remember that, right? You were up there. What? Man. No, I that was before me. So tell us, tell what happened, because the first, so everyone's listening. It was a six or seven week shoot. Oh uh, no, eight weeks probably, which was normal back in the day. And I had, I was on for six, but the first. Week was Drew, so that was a movie. It was a bit mini movie that started the movie, right? And so what happened? And it was intimate. It was you, Kevin, Patrick Walls, Wes, and Drew, and not everyone else. Yeah, there was it was a small crew. There wasn't a whole yeah. lot of us in there at that time. And you're on location. Yeah, we're at the we're at that house mm-hmm. out there in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and what the people don't realize is that even on 
even though we have our green lighted, the studios weren't just like rah rah and Wes on this thing. They didn't they didn't see the vision of it. So he was editing. You know, we're working twelve to fourteen every day. Right, which is a typical, most people don't realize it, but that's a typical day on a set. I know, most people don't want to go by 12 now, but we, actually I would say 12 to 16s yeah. are pretty normal. That's a normal. Yeah. Right? Um, so Wes was shooting all day, editing, um, you know, getting the dailies, editing it, and getting it back down to the studios. And so they were, so they could see the dailies and where he was going on this thing. The which means that they were overnighted. Mm-hmm. They, was, they were I almost want to say they were driven, but they can't be because it's an eight-hour drive. But they literally, ha- there was no, the internet didn't have high speed. There wasn't, no. No, that was back in the day you of had dailies. had to deliver the tapes. Right? That was back in the days of dailies, right? Yes. You know? No no video village, so to speak. So they said yes to the movie. We were green-lighted. My understanding is that we were green-lighted, and obviously we're making a movie. But as this thing's unfolding... They were like, what the fuck do we green light? Yeah, and there was DNA. And, and as you know, studios wanted DNA things. And, and you know, they want to. It's DNA. They wanted to get their DNA into the process of making a movie. and uh, Meaning they want their notes in there? Yeah, when it's like, oh, do this, 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 and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the, one the, when Wes and I were talking one time, and we were talking about making movies in general. And he's like, yeah, you know, when you get a, we're on the set, I don't remember what movie it was, but he goes, you know, when you when you make a movie you get you make three movies you know there's the movie you get when you get the script right then there's a the movie that you shoot and then there's the movie that's actually edited and released wow <laughs> i'm like yeah that's so true right that's so true yeah so you you go up and they so i remember if i'm wrong i believe this was true i think drew was offered the sydney role and i believe that she said no i want to do this beginning role and that's what was the beginning of something interesting. Yeah, it could have been. And so could they say, so they had Drew and like she was our, our like, okay, this is going to lead us off. You know, she was the hot movie star coming up. I mean, she was the hook. Think about it. She was number one at that time. Yeah. Right? She was. Well, and then Courtney was becoming number one on TV and Nev was also becoming a huge star. Yeah. Off of TV. And here's the beautiful thing about The rest Wes. of us were pretty new. Wes has this innate ability to find this young like right on, the, like they're on the way up talent, right? I mean, he in all of his films he did that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I mean, like uh, Johnny Depp's mm-hmm. Nightmare One. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People like he was. I'm like, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. like, so I could say I've worked with Johnny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and so he had this really cool innate ability to find this talent, and um, through his, through his, all of his films, all of his career, and then. Um, so here we are. We're making this movie. And Drew is the biggest thing at that time. Mm-hmm. So here we're talking mid-90s. She's at the top of the game. Mm-hmm. And we whack her in the first 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. What the hell? Mm-hmm. People freaked. But the studio didn't think that was a good idea? I don't know. I wasn't involved that far in the process. I don't know if they did. They, but it was a lot of tension of like the movie. Could they threaten to shut it down? Well, that you got to remember that we're killing teenagers. Right? That was common, though. Not back in the 90s, it wasn't. Mm. Horror movies, dude? Come on. They've been killing teenagers the whole career. Yeah, so we take the number one teen teenager in America, kill her, and string her from a tree with her guts hanging out. You guys didn't kill her. You you gutted her. Yeah, Yeah, it was awful. I did, Yeah, (laughs) so to speak. (laughs) So um, We had a hard time getting that through ratings. 
That was a big deal. But what did you you so this you had to run your iconic thing is you had to run. And so where were you in the movie? Obviously, you run, you chase, and you. So you I did stab the I did the whole first half of the film. Um, so so I did all the opening sequence, all that, all that, all that. Ghostface is you, yeah, and just you, yes, just me. Wow, so you were Ghostface the whole fucking opening, yeah. And then um, a lot of people don't realize that uh, we changed mask in the middle of that opening too. No, yeah, there's a different mask. What was the first mask? And what was the second mask? The first mask was made by the effects company. It was called the Can B. Okay, and it actually had a slightly different shape of the mouth. And then you'll see these other scenes in the house where they change the mask. Hold on. Hold on. This is huge news. (laughs) How many people know this? So they, so KNB. KNB effects company. Yes, which are huge. All right. Um, What's the KNB stand for again? It was was all the, yeah, it was the guy's name. They were legends. They are legends. So they make the mask off of the idea of the mask that we purchased, right? Other way around. They did that. That the candy mask was what started it. No, I thought we got the mask from Fun World later. So, wait a minute. So they made a mask, and they designed it. Yeah, and yeah. it was different from yeah. the mask we purchased. Yeah. And so why did it take, change? If you take a look at the original candy mask uh, against the one that you, that uh, Fun World had. The Gen Run is what we actually used later. Yeah, very different. So is that different in this? Is is it all the same mask in the scene? No, I think about halfway through the house, you'll see it change. Why did it change? I think they finally got licensing for a uh, board about it. And how much different does it look? To the average person, not much. To the educated, and now that I've you know been around it and, and done it so much, I'm like, man, that's night and day. But you asked me what the difference between a Gen 1 and a Gen 2 and all this other stuff and this dimple and that dimple, forget it. I mean, there's, and as you know, because you've done the cons, those people are fanatics. Fanatics. They'll keep us right. Yes, they they will definitely give you a Wait, so this is, where is that mask? The originals or what? Where is that KNB1? Most of them got, most of them got cut up by Henry. Remember the scene when- Cut up? Yes. Oh yeah! Remember that? Oh, where are those masks? Um, oh God, there's he's a right. Cup, there's Principal Hembry. Yeah, I killed him too. So wow, you killed Drew. You killed the Fonz. Who else did you kill? So if you go in sequence, I kill Steve. I think his name's Steve, who's Drew's boyfriend, right out there on the Kevin floor. Patrick Wall. So he gets gutted there on the on the patio. Mm-hmm. I killed Drew. Mm-hmm. Killed Henry. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then that's it for Scream One. And then when I came back to Scream 2, I whacked um, one of the detectives and then the girl that was in the back seat of the car with Nev, um, super sweet, talented uh, actress. I can't remember her name right now. You didn't kill You didn't kill Buffy, did you? No, I didn't kill Sarah. Did you, Rebecca Gayhart? Mm-mm. Alan's girlfriend? Mm-mm. Did you kill me? No, I think Alan killed you. Alan who? Alan Robinson. He did. Alan Robinson is not a good buddy of mine. Okay, there. you didn't kill me. Because I would no. be weird sitting here with you. Yeah, but it was just pretend. <laughs> so. Not to people watching the movie. Yeah, that is Listen, for sure. Wait, go back. Who's the girl you killed in Scream 2? Um, so we did the sequence with... So I came back into, this, into the series to do the, the 
the all the detective car skid sequence crashing that car. And you don't stuff. know. But people in the comments, tell yes. us who he killed the screen. We have to go back to this mask thing. First of all, this mask is a huge mask. I didn't even know. There's something called the RDS. Do you know what that is? Randy does sing mouth. <laughs> it's new to me, dude. I didn't even know. Which is off a slightly bit than the other masks, correct? Right. So you, you, when you got killed in the movie, yeah, you know, um, Ghostface actually had a specific mask for that. Now, I don't know if it was like. Why? I don't know. Okay. Now there's some collectors, and I know, right? There's a couple of collectors out there that are at the high end of the at the spectrum. Drown boy, you know right? Drown boy, yeah, Douglas, right? Great cat. Shout out to Drown boy. He's he's got the museum. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he wait. wants me to take my. I have one of my scream two masks. He wants me to put in there. So. Not for free. You can put it on loan, but you yeah. got to own it. Wait, we have to go back to the masks. <laughs> I'm I'm calling confused on your story. Because I was always led to believe that we got the mask from Fun World, and that became the mask we use. You're saying they designed the mask, and then they happened to find a mask that looks like it? The original Scream 1 opening sequence mask was the Canby. But they just made it up? Yeah, it was Oscar. Yeah, Canby made the mask. Off a picture of a mask that existed? No, I think it was the other way around. So you're saying that they made no? This doesn't make any sense, Lee. Yeah, you know how who could has they the make best? a mask and then find the mask at the store? Canby started it. Canby started it, and you know who actually has the best article on the mask history? Who? Fangoria magazine. Okay. They have a very well... Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill executed documented pictures included story article on the evolution of the screen mask okay well we're gonna have to have people because so this deep is dive into deep dive in there so the canby mask was the mask that started it all okay then yes. the fun world gen one took it from there and the fun world gen ones were modified by production so we could actually use them um, and then Gen 2s were used. And then I don't know what happened after that. How many times did you kill Drew? How many takes did you do? One. No! Yep. We sh- we got, we did a blocking rehearsal. Okay. Uh-huh. And then Wes said go. Wow. So you ran, chased her, and then, k- 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 wow, one. Yeah. And, and did Drew want another one? She no, I don't think so. She might have, but Wes. I mean, I mean, you worked with Wes. He knows when he got. It. And what was great about Wes is he was behind camera, right? Remember when he directed? He looked. He looked at the monitor, but he really did look at the camera. He, he looked at the shot. Yeah. So he would see. He would sit there, so seeing the, the scene out. What he went. What you mean by that is he didn't look at the monitor. He was watching the scene in live and picturing it in his yeah, mind. Yeah. So there's. I remember him several times being next to camera, not necessarily looking through the lens, but no, right but next, right? Yeah. Right. So he's seeing because he has the frame in his brain, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's such a. He was. To, me personally, thinks. Wes was totally underrated for his time. 
He was absolutely underrated. Uh, oh, we know that he he was, you know, kind of pigeonholed into horror, but he could tell any stories. He could probably have done a great comedy. Yeah, he well, had a great he, sense of humor. He was, yeah, that was you know what he had the driest oh sense of humor, man. <laughs> he would he would say stuff on on Monday. The crew would laugh on Wednesday, and then I would figure it out by Friday. <laughs> that's a great. That's so good, dude. That was so funny. God, if you want, if anyone wants to ask about Wes Craven, that's an exact great, exact interpretation. He was that. He was weeks ahead of people in his jokes. Yes, he would. He would say stuff and. I'd be like, you know, days later, I'd figure it out. I'm like, God, that was Wes. That was so funny. I, you know, I'd, then he would laugh that me figuring it out 72 hours later. Yeah. He'd be laughing at me. I so, never even knew what, what red wine was until I did that movie. <laughs> and then we, he introduced me to, like, he was a classy man. Like, he was a gentleman. Well, you got to remember, he was uh, extremely educated. He was a professor, right? Where, what school? I don't remember. For some reason, I keep thinking Columbia, but I don't think that's accurate. Um, but you know, very articulate and, um, and Wes was such a cool cat. I ne- you would never see him lose his cool. I was just thinking that never, ever. Man. I mean, I know ever. He, I could see him biting his jaw, just grinding and he would never raise his voice, never blow his cool. You know, he Ab- was such a cool cat. I got to comment on that, but I got to remember the other thing about the, remember to tell you about the rules scene. Yeah, dude, think about that. You're right. You are so right. He never, ever raised his voice. He never got... I I never seen him get mad. I could see him maybe... I don't even know if I've ever seen him annoyed. He... Yeah, I would see him get irritated. You know, like he never, he was a cool, he literally was a cool cucumber. Yeah, he he absolutely was. Um, I would see him get irritated with something, um, you know, maybe a technical aspect or something. And you could see him grinding his jaw or he would get his cadence of speech would pick up, but it was so subtle. And I've been around him enough to, and had enough conversation that I would see these things and I'm like, I'm going to go to craft service, <laughs> right? I would get out of Dodge. But he would never. He would just, you know, he's not, I don't want to mention any directors, but there's some directors that are notorious Dude, for blowing up. I've seen, you know, some amazing directors have huge fights. Absolutely. And I wouldn't even think they're unjustified with huge stars. I've watched it firsthand. I'm like, oh, this is good. And I just thought, well, it's just part of the process. And sometimes it is. Yeah. I mean, if it happens, it's frustrating. But I never saw Wes lose it. I mean, that's a really somebody should say what what was it like to work with Wes Craven. You should clip this and use it forever, so I don't have to answer that question again. Right? He was a cool cucumber, a very cerebral guy mm-hmm. who is calm. He's the exact opposite. The chaos that he presented you on screen was made with a calmness that was the opposite. He was just a calm dude. Yeah, he was. And it's funny because, like, right before we shot, I don't think Drew ever saw the full, I don't know if she ever saw um, storyboards or any of that stuff. But um, I think the only time she actually, f- and this is my belief, I, can't, I don't have this confirmed, but and I'd have to ask her if I ever run into her again. Um, I don't think she ever saw Ghostface full costume, full character until that night, until scene one, take one, day one. Really? Yeah, I don't know if she ever saw that. What was her reaction? Well, 
she was losing. <laughs> it's funny because there's a whole backstory on how she was so wound up that night, and um, and Wes was uh, wound up. How you know how just she was so in the moment. So like when she was losing her shit, right on the phone calls and and stuff like that. When the chair broke through the, the yeah, I think she would go home and like order room service or something, and then just like be freaked out or something. So the night before shooting, or a couple of nights before shooting. Um, Wes and her were having a, a they're, I think they're in Wes's room or Drew's room. They were talking about, you know, the motivations and getting into the actor's mindset. And, and the great thing about Wes is that, and you work with them from the actor side, and so did I, because you got to remember, I had to suspend, even though it was a physical acting part, I had to act the character that Wes and I, you know, Wes wanted me 100%. to A hundred percent. You know, and, um, which we'll go down that rabbit hole later if you want, but um, he got into Drew and and in their head, and she told him about a story about. Um, she read an article one time about um, some animal abuse issues, about mm-hmm. these guys pouring you know gasoline on little puppy dogs and lighting them on fire. Really horrific stuff. Oh Jesus Christ! And then, and it really affected her because she's a she's an animal lover. We all are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who doesn't like puppy dogs and kitties and all mm-hmm. that stuff? Right. And so Wes asked permission from her if he could use that, you know, to get her to this point where she was that rattled and crazy. Mean talk about it or something? Yeah. And so. Oh, God. And so I didn't understand that until I heard these tapes that Wes had done and they were lost tapes that came to, they came out of the woodwork about a year ago. And you know, Webb's Craven, right? My, my media guy, Bill Perry, he was Wes's. A web developer for years, and a stunt guy also. Mm-hmm. He has these tapes that he found that Wes had given them to him for context, and he there's a whole section in there about when Wes is talking to Drew about this thing. Tapes meaning like what kind of tapes? Old cassette tapes of from, him on yeah. set recording. No, they were like one was for uh, KLOS, Mark and Brian back in the day, right? There was so old- who was doing the interview? Wes. Uh, uh, Mark and Brian were interviewing Wes on one of them, and then there was another one. Somebody was interviewing Wes, and it was kind of like uh, it was much more formal th- and dot and, and, mm-hmm. and so. So he had these tapes. Yeah, so Bill has these tapes like stuffed in a box in the top of his closet. And when he was helping me out on some of the Ghostface stuff for our cons and the social media stuff, he goes, "Hey, look what I found." I'm like, well, "What are these?" He's like, "I don't know." I'm like, well, "Why don't you listen?" And they're like these great archivals of West. And I'm like, this is gold, man. We're, the, <laughs> we're talking the- about how he got Drew in the character. Right. Wow. Yeah, and that's where this whole story comes from about how he, you know, they were talking about that. So he was basically talking about something. She shared something traumatic in her life. Right. And, and he's like, use that during his scenes because it's right, going to be that traumatic. Exactly. So wow. that's where he, that was how intense he wanted uh, her to be. Mm-hmm. And so I remember being on the set that night and I couldn't, and until I heard these tapes, you know, 30 years later, I didn't, I couldn't understand why he was saying some of the things. And it wasn't, a, it was a passing thought. It wasn't anything important, but he was sitting there and, and I remember I was on set. I wasn't in wardrobe yet. And, um, and I think it's like when the, when the phone rings and the popcorn's burning, and it, was, it was a really intense part of it. And I remember right before they, he yells action, he goes, Drew, they're, pu- they're pouring gasoline on the dog. And she freaks. No. Uh, yeah. 
And that's how, yeah. And that's why she, that's what, that was her, she trusted him enough as a director to take her there, right? And talking about some trust. Wow. Yeah, it was really, and I, I didn't realize the depth of what was going on at that time until I heard these tapes. And then since I was first person knowledge, then it made sense to me. I'm like, jeez. Oh, and Jen freaking Drew loses it. She's just in the moment. Dude. Just, just train wrecked. I never heard that. Yeah. Wow. I mean, oh. Right? So, I mean, that's. But this is what, you know, acting is. It's like believing real, having real feelings under imaginary circumstances. But, you know, this is a technique that actors use. Well, you got to go you have there. to use something that's real in your life to elicit a feeling that would match a feeling of something. Exactly. Wow. Yeah. So for her to trust him as a director, for him as a director to trust her, I mean, this, the that was a yeah. They had that's a very intimate, very. I mean, that's really brave of Drew to like go through that and right. then connect it to this scene, and it's just because that's an awful scenario, right? And then for him to do it, that's intense, dude. I it was very that. intense, and it didn't. And you're over there, and if I, I you ask, know, yeah, and I'm not, I'm just hanging out on the set, and yeah. I'm actually kind of thinking about what's coming up and I'm looking at the script and you know, I'm kind of, I'm around, but I just remember him saying that I didn't understand the context. Right. And I saw her freaking freak, but I didn't understand mm. the direction and all that stuff until here we are 30 years later and Webb's Craven shows me these tapes and these lists. And I'm like, Holy crap. I was there. Now mm. this is, it comes full circle 30 years later. I'm like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Dude, that's so, I've never heard that. This yeah. is good. You have a lot of these things. I don't know. And uh, With Wes, I want to say this. You were saying earlier, you did the one take. So that's what's insane. That take that you see Drew getting stabbed like behind you. Like, it's a one take. So when we did the rules, I did one take. And Wes said, great. Moving on. Right? And you're going, and as a stunt guy, and I was an actor at that time, because I was an actor first, stunt guy second. During that sequence, I'm like, hey, we could do it again. What do you think? And he's like, nope. <laughs> well, you like, have to understand, you this was like my third movie. Right. And like an early, you know, and maybe an under, like my ninth acting job. And I was like, I was just, I don't know when it's ever done. And he, I didn't know that this guy knew that, I knew I loved his movies, but I didn't know that he was going to just say it's done. And it's like, you have to trust him. And he was opposite of me. He wasn't an emotional guy. Be like, oh man, you were great. He's just like, I was great. And I would be like, because uh, I'm like, I'm, I'm an emotional dude. And he's a well, cerebral dude. Right. I want the feedback. Yeah. Right? You know. But now I would, I'm if Wes, you know, were here and he would say, we got it. I'm like, you got it, right? Like, I'd move on because I have 30 years of acting. So yeah, he, exactly. we did that rule scene and he was like, it's done. And I'm like, no, I could do it again. He's like, it's done. And I, he goes, well, what do you want to do different? I go, I don't, I don't know. know. Just uh, <laughs> exactly. more energy, something different. He goes, he goes, all right, I got it, but sure, go for it. We're going to go do, we could do one more for Jamie. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, it's my big moment. He's like, one more. <laughs> Jamie wants to do one more. So right. I was like, which this fucking thing became an iconic thing with the picture and the TV. And so we do it. And he was like, great, do it again. Whatever you want. So we went from his to being done to me and then me doing two in a row. And he said, he said that we, we says cut. And he goes, let me tell you, that was great. 
I'm probably going to use most of it in a mid to medium. I don't even know if they shot a close up. Maybe they right. did. But I like he shot like most of it's in the mid. And he said, you know, never be scared to ask for another take. It's crazy because I came off Baz Luhrmann movie, Romeo and Juliet, and he would also would tell me never be scared to ask for another take. Very artistic friendly, especially for a new person like me. And right. it's like, he's like, I'm glad you asked. He's like, I'm glad you made me do that because I, I think I might use the second take. It can mix and match, but I think there's a lot of the gold that's going to be in the second tape take. <laughs> that's funny you say that. See, because I had the exact opposite. With really? That. So there's this, and it's iconic. And, you know, and when you talk to the, the crazed uh, fans, and I say that very lovingly, man, the, the screen fans are so cool, man. I dig them so much. Um, there are some, though, with, that should uh, that are mentally going to be in jail. We're kidding. Yeah, relax. Yeah. Joke. yeah. Um, real quick, how many how many people have your signature on their body tattooed permanently? Oh, right. Scary question. I mean, I, I have not up with Skeet and Matt. I mean, those guys have fucking their faces, their fucking everything. But yeah, I I think I have at least seven that I did. That I did. Now there's other people that I've seen my face and stuff, but um. I saw one that was really cool. It wasn't wasn't me from the movie. It was just my face from like a picture. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, so, but crazy. but um, yeah. I well, go ahead. Yeah, I was, I, the reason that's I a say big that, honor. It is, and it's it's kind of weird. The first time I did, it, I'm like, you want to sign it correctly because it's like I don't want to fuck up some shit and have a bad signature on you. And they're like. This girl, oh, this is so crazy. I'll never forget this. This was recent. Yeah. This skinny I know, chick. I know who you're talking about. This skinny chick, she's so sweet. <laughs> she was great. I mean, she couldn't have been more than 92 pounds. Soaking wet. Soaking wet. Had to run around a shower to get wet. Yeah. <laughs> and she's this little petite thing, and she had some ink. Yeah. And she's like, I want you to sign, like, here. So Lee, and she's like, it has to be the authentic signature. It's yeah. got to be. So Lee somehow signs over her ribs, and he's right. got a beautiful signature. He's like, ksh, 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 and she's like, I'm going straight to the tat place. And she fucking goes, and it was a lot. Like, it was a big marker, and you didn't mean to make it that big. And she's like, I love it. Yeah, she it, goes, covered, it covered ribs. Dude, it covered ribs, and it, you, she comes back the next day, and that shit was fresh. <laughs> it was pink and pretty. Ah. Can't say that. And then she walks over to my table and she's like, Jamie, you're next. next. And I, I forget. I think I signed her like shoulder blade or. No, about. God. She got like four of us. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And I'm like, are you sure you want to do this? She's like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right. Bro, I couldn't. <laughs> I was like, wow. I mean, that's a, that's what. So I want to do it right. But they don't even care if you mess it up. Well, in one sense, it's an honor. And then the other sense, you're thinking. Really? You want my my signature? It's a lot of responsibility. It is. There's pressure. There's yeah, pressure. A lot of pressure. Yeah, yeah. I, you know, normally I'm just like, hey, let's sign some stuff. Or as I, as you hear me say, I'm like, hey, I'm, you know, kissing posters and signing babies. Yeah, right? literally. Right. The the amount of uh, the amount of people that you know love Scream and they say that it's their comfort movie is just. It's wild because it's like I always say, like, what happened in your life that Scream is comforting. Right, yeah. It's like um, I get the, uh, oh, you wrecked my childhood, or you made my childhood. Yeah. So I'm like, either one's great because here you are, thirty years later, and we're hanging out at a con and talking scream. How scream is low key Star Wars in a sense because the lineage is being 
it's like this. They watch the old movies, right? The parents watch the old movies. So you got a, let's say you got a, let's say you get a 50-year-old person. Right. They saw the movie when they were, no. Let's say they saw the movie when they're 20. Let, let me, let's say you got a 40-year-old person and they saw the movie when they were 15, right? They saw it, I don't know what 25, 14 or whatever. They end up watching the movies and they're connected. Then they have their kid get excited with the new one with right. Jenna and Melissa mm-hmm. and Jasmine and Mason. And so they they see that. And then the parents go, oh, no, you got to watch the originals. Right. And then they're both hooked. This happened the other day. My buddy's kid wanted to watch the original, the new one. He goes, so she watched the new one. He goes, well, you're watching it out of order. So then she went and he took his kid and they watched all of them in sequence after. Like they spent two days. Yeah, that's awesome. And the daughter was like, Oh my God. Like I have no, and she's now so you have this like forty eight year old guy right. and his like fifteen year old daughter. Mm-hmm. They'll go to the con together and this is a shared experience that bonds them and it ain't gonna stop. I know. How she's cool gonna is that? do it with her kid. Yeah. Like it's wild and it's and it's because we have the internet. And why it's much bigger now. Why Scream is much bigger than I Spit in Your Grave, which is a very good movie. It's because they just didn't have the pipes of memes and gifts and merch. And this and this is all self-made stuff. Yeah. This is all, everyone just self-made it now. And the knockoffs. If you go to fucking Alibaba, there's so oh much Scream knockoffs. I signed so much shit. It's incredible. So Yeah, I'm sure the people over there at Fun World love that. Yeah, right? <laughs> I know, right? So it's like the amount of stuff that happens, it's insane. It's wild. And that's why I don't think it's ever going to stop because it's just become, it's literally Coca-Cola. It is. Absolutely. I agree with you. And, you know, it. It's just it's it's overwhelming in a sense, right? You know, because I I did this as a Wes Craven movie thirty years ago, right? And I it was we banged this out in ninety five, ninety six. Did you know went straight into ninety? We went we straight into ninety six. Right? You're gonna see that in the comments. Oh, there you go. <laughs> you know, so and then we went straight into two. We didn't have hardly any time off. And then, uh, you know, so that was ninety six. I still had another ten years of film behind me, you know, before I retired. And so more than that, you know, so yeah, 96, almost 20, 20. Right. And so it was just a blink of an eye. And I mean, I had no idea it was going to be in this. And until, and then once again, I got to go back to Tony Caesar, who was my mentor back then. He's the one that drug me into this, Mm -hmm. you know, and I say that drug is because he's like, um, you and I have the same agent. Yeah, we do. Right. The best. And he crushes it. (laughs) He does. He's awesome. I love Sean. And, um, you know, Sean hits me up, and this is going to sound a little bit crazy, but um, Tony goes, hey, you got you to gotta talk to my agent and, you know, and come out and do these things. And I'm like, do what things? He's like, oh, you got to come to these cons. I'm you like, had no idea. This world was non-existent to me, right? My film career, I was a great career. I retired. I remember I'm an old school, old school guy, so I didn't do autographs and a lot of, you know, all that stuff, right? That's how I, I was, you know, that didn't occur, and at least in my world. In my Meaning world. you didn't do them or no one asked? Well, I wouldn't go to guys that I doubled and do pictures. Or like oh, yeah, yeah. Like no, that. you were very respectful, yeah. Yeah, you know, and I, I still am. I mean. I get that. Um, and so here I am, 
you know, 20 something years later. <laughs> and, and Tony goes, Hey, you got to come out and try this thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, talk to my agent. And Tony has the same agent as you and I. Mm-hmm. And, and so, uh, this is only a couple of years ago. And we were out at this huge show out there. What was that show? It was, it was, a, it was a reunion show. Was you big. started two years ago? Yeah. Was it Frightmare? No. Or was it in Cincinnati Horror? Yeah, that one. That was insane. Dude. Right. That's so, what changed everything for me. So back then, um, so Sean goes, hey, I'll pitch you in there with the Screamcast and da-da-da. And this is how, you know, I wouldn't say a version, but. I don't, we'll find the word through this conversation. I said, no, put me next to Tony. And cause Tony was up on a different level, right? Just right outside the doors. And he was kind of over here. Uh, I'm like, no, put me next to Tony. I want to hang out with him. I want to check this whole thing out before, you know, I sign off on this. You, this. Did you do that weekend or you just hung out? No, I did that weekend. Okay. Right. And, um, had a blast and it was really great hanging out with Tony cause we hadn't seen each other in quite a few years. So, you know, and then, um, you know, but here I am telling Sean, no, I don't want to hang out with you guys. I'll hang out with Tony. <laughs> right? Ah-ha! Now you can't, you, right? you can't get close enough to us. Right. And now, and now I'm just like, if I'm not hanging out and people, I mean, if I'm not next to you, yeah. right, if I'm not hanging out with you and Skeet, right, yeah. I'm like, I'm all butthurt. <laughs> I'm like, even if I was next to Nev and Rose or somebody, I'm like, no, put me down to Skeet. Jamie. Why me and him are so close? Because he's my he's my booth buddy. Yeah, and we he's always hilarious. Ne- he's always here. It's me, and then Skeet, Nev, and then Matt's in his own universe. Right? You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Not that everybody those guys don't have their own universe, but like, oh, they're huge. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's like Matt and then. Nev and Skeet are kind of their own supernova, and then I do pretty good, and then you're do you're doing quite. Cool. Here's it: you're doing very good, dude. Like you started smaller, but you're every con getting bigger and bigger. Yeah, like, and it's exciting, super, isn't it? It's, it's super cool, and I'm, I'm so blessed to be able to do dude, it, dude. And now Dermy's doing it. God, he's funny. I don't know he's the best. David's coming out more. Yeah, and yeah. Um, Rose is out there with Rose. Him. And, um, um, uh, God, dude, I gotta fuck. My brain is done. She's like Kirby. Who plays Kirby? Uh, I was just thinking about her on the way. We have to fix this cough. Yeah. God, we're both of our brains are done. Uh, Hayden. Hayden. And Hayden's coming out. Right. Like, dude, there's like nine of us. Um, and then there's, um, I think we have a con with him a little bit later. And now. Who was the guy? Guess who's coming out? Melissa. Really? There's going to be 10. 10 of us. All right. So, I mean, is it time yet? Do we do it? Yeah, I do. think so. I just saw this today, bro, and you know exactly where we're going. I know it. Go. Ta- I just saw Taylor Swift uh, patented TaylorCon, which I don't know why she does it because every concert's a con, but she's going to do some kind of con. I don't even know. Maybe she make make $100 million for the weekend. I have no idea. Bro, we have to do Scream Con. We have to do Scream Cruise. You know what I mean? We have to do a lot of stuff to scream weekend, whatever. We can do it. I think I think it's just I think it's right. Dude, it's insane. It will happen because we we went to Oaks PA. God, what was that con called? Mo- that was Monster Mania. Was it Monster Mania? Yes. Okay. Oaks PA, I hope it was Monster Mania. I hope it that was. was correct. That was this little 
um, little huge. It was this little huge <laughs> thing because it was like this, like this. It wasn't even a convention center. I felt like it was like a. It was a convention. Center. It was a, but it was like a smaller barn feeling, like not bad, but just like a smaller, intimate. But it was big. But the whole con was pretty much us. That was my biggest weekend ever. 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 Like, I would go to these cons, dude, back in the day. Like, how it happened for me is a long story, but these people came up, and they were so sweet, and I did it. And my first con, I did pretty good. They got me a guarantee, and I was sitting at, like, the bottom level of, like, a, like, Holiday Inn in, like, Virginia Beach. I think it was Blood at the Beach. Oh, wow, what a cool, what a cool, that's a good hook. Yeah, and it was like the Virginia Beach, like, Marriott, it wasn't even a normal Marriott, and we were in this, like, wow. area, and it was me and the girl who's in, I spit in your grave too, Serena Vincent from, um, I believe she was in Cabin Fever, she's done a lot of stuff. Right. And I did that con, and I was so not busy. That I would go out to eat with people. I would leave my table. I would, you know, that night I would drink. Those days are over. Dude, <laughs> I know. I mean, dude, I was like, what am I going to... It felt like a week I was being in Virginia Beach. I Like, I'd hang out with different people. I would go out during the day and then come back. I'd go to the party late at night. Like, But I didn't have a... I had a lot of time. And, like, I hope the people made their money back on me on the guarantee. I mean, I did well, but I didn't have, like, a never had more than eight people waiting right. at the most. And there was a ton of time. And that's when I was talk, talking to people, what I call window shoppers. Right. And um, and I've learned a lot about that. Yeah, um, you have. I've talked to you. You've, you've, been I, a, you've been a great mentor to me. In fact, <laughs> well, all the, all the, as I affectionately call us, the Scream Team, right? Yeah. And and all of you guys have, have done great about it. and I'm really appreciative of and very humbled by it and, and I tell you guys often you know you know thanks for bringing me in and taking care of me cuz you guys every one of you guys have done have given me pointers and tricks and trips and things well, we, about how to survive this program we try to show you this but I want to get to that but I I did th that weekend and felt like five days I'll never forget I had a lot I hung out in the rooms with different actors and we right. talked but Oaks PA is an example of I don't remember the weekend because I never had a chance to breathe. No, it was we didn't. like, like, and by the next thing I know, it's Sunday night and it's like ten o'clock and everyone's like, "Should we eat?" And we're all like, "Just." And I think we all went to a Founding Farmers again, which is a great. And we were all like vegetables. Yeah, we're just which we up. usually are. But I was like, "How? Where did this weekend go?" And so, what you're saying is, yes, we 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 learned a lot of tricks and. You know, the people that love me at cons love me, and the people that don't, don't, because they don't get my jokes. And that's, like, everyone has their own angles. Right. And, like, what I tell you is you have what we call window shoppers. You got looky-loos. Uh, we have things that my uh, our other guy used to tell me is poor mouthing, which is, well, here's, the problem <laughs> is if you're sitting there, if you're sitting there and you're just chilling and you just had a nice run, and you were busy for an hour and a half. Right. You take it. You, you have a quick. You want to take a second, hit your vape, or fucking do a text or whatever. But you're gonna get that. You get this family, and it'll be four of them, and mm -hmm. two of them didn't shower. And yeah. you're sweet yeah. people, and they'll roll up and they go. So when you were chasing Drew, and the little kid will ask the question, and the mother's pushing her, and it's like hoping to God 
that you're going to give them a freebie. Mm-hmm. And it's not saying we don't or we have done this and stuff, but depending on the feeling of the moment, if it's real or not, because there's some con artists. Yeah, there's definitely a bunch of but, them. But Lee, in the beginning of his career, which is, well, let me take you through it. And he would do a podcast with these people. <laughs> That's so true. And I'm like, Lee, you're going to lose your mind if you're talking. And it's like, yep. and so people, uh, we love you. But yeah, come in, ask a question, ask two, and then you got to move on. Yeah. Unless we're really engaged in a convo and you can feel it. But a lot of people at cons, I don't know, maybe at least 30% can't read the room. And yeah. There's multiple I, reasons absolutely. why. Absolutely. You're spot But there's usually that. 70% of the people that get it. Yeah. And it's really like, I mean, I love big lines. And we're fortunate. But we also have to be like, we're, we're our mental cases. You're just, uh, 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 we become mental cases. Yeah, and especially on those big ones. I'm wrung out by the end of the weekend. Like, if we do a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, like, you maybe have a big con coming up this weekend, right? Yeah. And so, like, you know, on Monday, I'll give you a text going, hey, dude, that was great. Cooked. <laughs> right? And but, I'm cooked. But Monday is just a blowout day. Nothing occurs. No, you, know? you can't. It's, it, uh, it's funny, dude. On the Monday, I used to, like, try to leave Sunday nights and shit. I don't. I pig out. I vegetate. Fuck Alyssa. Okay, she's not even doing it. She's not signing autographs or anything. She's dead. Between the money, the mental gymnastics, the ca- all this stuff, it's a pressure on her. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and we're just like, we used to fly out at 5 a.m. I'm like, fuck that. Late checkout, vegetate. Let's find the nearest fucking Texas Day Brazil, yep. pig out, and then catch a six o'clock. Yeah. You know, one of the funnest things I get a chance to do now, and it's rare, but we, is have a good cigar with you. Yeah, I love it. I love that. We're going to do it this weekend. Are we? Yes. Okay. We're going to do it. He has great cigars. Uh, but we are, I'm a zombie on mm-hmm. Mondays. Absolutely. Monday's a blowout for me. I mean, I get it. But it's crazy because we're not doing physical labor. I want everyone to know. This is not hard. Real job people are construction people. Um, this ain't their own concrete. Oil, oil right. riggers, uh, concrete. Those are the hardcore workers. No, absolutely. The but, people serving 10 tables at once. But we do get tired because there's a lot of, like, we have to be on our best behavior, if that makes sense. Well, you flip the switch. You know, when you hit it, when they say go, we go, right? Yeah. And we don't unswitch it, you know, until we're actually at home base. Yeah. Because it starts, I don't know about for you, and it, and it's kind of humbling, but it's at the same time, it's kind of weird still for me. Um, like, it starts for me at luggage claim at the airport. Oh, hell yeah. You right? get, Bro, there's a whole underworld now that try to cut prices. Right. So They that's, try to cut prices. Yeah, right? And so I got hit really hard at this last one. What's the last one that you and I did that we did really good at? It was just a couple of months ago. I can't. Was remember. it a Steel City? Was that our last one for the year? That was the last one. Yeah, Steel Man, they, City. They they freaking hammered me at at uh, luggage claim, right? And so everybody was professional. Everybody was nice. I was like, let me get my bags out, and I'll take care of you, right? So I signed a bunch of shit. <laughs> I, knew, I mean, it was it was. It Don't was, let our agent know that, right? And I'm like, but at the same time. So I'm uh, so right there. I flip the switch. I'm like, I'm not gonna. Even though uh, some of these are pros, some are amateurs. Everybody's gonna get something signed. I'm gonna be that guy, right? Because nobody goes away from my table with a with a bad impression. That is, yeah. my, that's my job to my fans, right? Yes. I don't want anybody, and they may not be able to get everything they want signed or afford or whatever. But you're gonna still get a piece of my time, even though it might be marginal. Because when we have a line that's hundred plus deep. I can't, like, as you said, I can't do a podcast. I've never had that. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll send some people over this week. <laughs> <laughs> I've had 50. Um, 
you know, so I always want people to um, have a positive interaction. Yeah. And what the reason that you and me are so blown out along with the rest of everybody is like the energy exchange. Yep. That, that That's why I tell people. That occurs from luggage <laughs> when I get into town to when I actually finally get off the plane and get back home, right? Um, that whole time you're on. We're at dinner. People are watching. We're being approached. We're getting coffee. People are being approached. If we're trying to grab a drink just with the crew. We're being approached, right? So you're always on. And um, it's true, bro. And the exchange of energy that you're doing when you're, even though we're signing and laughing and smiling, and we're having a blast, dude. We're just laughing our asses off for 12 hours a day or whatever we're working, mm-hmm. right? But that energy exchange, what happens with every individual? And, uh, you know, you're just, you're just full throttle for that time, and it's very draining. Dude, it's exactly correct. It is exactly correct. It's not hard, but it is you want people to feel good because they're spending hard-earned money. And that's very, very important. And I'm like, I don't, I want you to feel good. Yeah. You know what I mean? This is a, it's not about the memorabilia, which it will be eventually, but right now it's this moment. Well. And, and I think that, you know, Matt does that so brilliantly and he's always about, He's always about giving somebody the best experience, right? And I think you know he's you know, That's he's, a, I steal his stuff all the yeah, time. Yeah, we've we've all <laughs> learned from him. Yeah, he's the master. And and I think that you're, but it's right. You just, it is. It's like because you'll have four different types of. I'll have like a mom and her daughter, and the daughter will just be crying. And the mom will be so happy. It makes me sad just thinking about it. And then I'll have a person who's, you know, you know, mentally handicapped. I mean, not mentally. Um, can I say handicapped? What's up? He just, like, physically. There's some disability. Disability. Right. You know what I mean? And I want to make sure to get them. And then I have someone who's like, oh, my God, Dave. <laughs> right. And then I'll have, like, two scream bimbos. And that guy, bless you, love you. You know what I mean? In a bikini top and love not em. much else. Love them. And that's, and then, and then. That's a big swath there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Then I'll have some scream dudes from the hood. They'll be like Malibu, Randy Boom. crossover. Yeah. So it's like that's just in when like a 30 minute window there. But that's what's so cool about horror, right? Mm-hmm. And here's what the difference between like a horror con, a comic con, an anime con. Screambos. I'm gonna call that screambos. Yeah. Screambos. Go ahead. Yeah. Tra- trademark that. Yeah. Um, what's so cool about horror mm-hmm. is because. Um, for me and my observations on it is that the horror community is so fun and so loving, right? You could come are. and you just show up in your freak flag, whatever you're wearing or not wearing and, and, and moshing up between Jason and scream and Freddie, you know, whatever you want to slam together. People go, huh, that's cool. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they're standing in lines for hours. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it's just a big love fest, and it's such a cool vibe, right? Yeah, it's too. It's, let your freak flag fly is exactly. a real deal. It's and, a real deal. And that's what's so cool about horror. And that's why, as you were describing, you could get all four of those people within 10 minutes. Yeah, you and can. They're all, and they're all hanging out in line, and no, there's no craziness going on. Nobody's no. fighting. Or, everybody's just vibing. Mad respect. Yes. These cons... I would say 99.9% always respectful. I literally have one person every eight cons try to fuck with me. And what I mean by that is just shit on something I've done or try to troll me. And it's, you know, and I, and I'll sometimes they'll get me. If I'm tired, you can get me and I'm going to engage and you win. But most of the time, I mean, it's just an incredible experience. Yeah. And, and that, so out of all the con genres, right? Horror con. 
is always my favorite. Mm-hmm. And, and I did a lot of horror in my film business. I mean, you know, sound wise, but just doing the cons is just so satisfying with the horror genre. I love it. But I know you do, but you also really, I'm, I, I, cause we could talk all day, but I want to just, you have at least four, you have tons of iconic movies you've been a part of, but let's just, let me pick four more. Okay. okay? Besides Ghostface. Right. Jurassic Park. Yep, that was a great one. What did you do in that? So uh, I was on Lost World, Jurassic 2. Right? Okay. Um, there's a really iconic scene in there where the uh, a lawyer, which is totally, you know, we could go, we could do it here. Here, Jamie, do a bit about a lawyer getting eaten by a dinosaur. Go. Right? <laughs> so, where do we start? Right? Um, so uh, I think the actor was Richard Schiff. Okay. A fine actor. Um, and I was a spot on double for him. Wow. Uh, and Spielberg is such a pro. Once again, I got to work with, I've worked with some brilliant directors. Yeah. You know, and I didn't actually realize it until I looked back at my career. I'm like, God, I worked with Frankenheimer. I worked with Spielberg. You know, I worked with Craven. You know, I got to work with some bitching directors. Hell yeah. Right. And not only did I get a chance to work with them, but I had a chance to have a conversation with them. But mm-hmm. to go back to Spielberg, he, I was such a good double for this guy that he actually goes, they casted his nose and put it on me, right? Because that way he could shoot me almost head on. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. So what he's saying is they made a mold of his nose and put it on you. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so when I did. So you the, could do a ton. Right. And so the big iconic scene is when he gets eaten out of the Jeep mm-hmm. by the two T-Rexes and torn in half. This is the number two? This is the number two. Vince Vaughn's movie. Right. Got you. Right. And so. That uh, real iconic scene. So there's iconic scene number two. Great one. Um, Love doing that film. I was on that rigging a bunch and had a great run on that film. Mm-hmm. Learned a bunch. And, you know, and back then it was it was the movie to be on that year. Mm-hmm. Bazillion dollar movie. So you got eaten out of the Jeep. Yeah. That's you. Yeah. Okay. Spider-Man. Right. That was another fun one. Okay. Rigged on that S- one. Sam Raimi. Yeah. Sam was such a great guy. Give me another another wild one. Oh my gosh! Uh, you know, I did U.S. Marshals? I did uh, Con Air. Was Con double, Air, double Malkovich on that one, which is Michael Bay. Yep. And then give me one more. Um, because U.S. Marshals is huge, but I want one more even crazier. God. So. So you've there's, done. There's, there's something. Scream! Around. Just off the top of your head, Jurassic Park, Spider Man, Con Air, U.S. Marshals. You got to put that on your picture at the table, dude. Yeah, because we don't. I mean, you're much more than just Ghostface. Yeah, and these are yeah. great iconic things, dude. Yeah, and it's. I had a great career, you know. And not only did I had a great career, and we did some great. Who directed movies. U.S. Marshals? Also a huge director. Uh, British guy. Okay. Uh, yeah. 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 British guy. And what movie did you do with Frankenheimer? John Frankenheimer. Yeah. I know that my mind's a, gone too. Someone look it up, dude. That's five icon six. I mean, you gotta let people know all the different stuff you've done. Yeah, and especially for what you and I are doing right now. Yeah, um, uh, like the, the the Jurassic Park stuff. Like people are learning about that. Yeah, and I'm signing a bunch of. I can't remember which kind. Of I those, know exactly where the shot is. Did yeah. you do any Marvel stuff? Um, where was Spider Man? Was that a Marvel? Or was that DC? Ooh, that is Marvel. So. Um, and that was the first one. What scene 
So I was, good, I was rigging I know you're up, all over it. But. Yeah, so I rigged on that the whole way through. But uh, there's this really great scene where the uh, the scientist, Defoe, is getting, um, turns into Green Goblin. Green Goblin. Right? So yeah. he takes the scientist and he grabs him through the window and blows him out the back of the, the laboratory. And does this really great ratchet and goes into the table. So I doubled that guy. And it's a really great scene. That's, that's a good picture. Yeah, that's when the guy turns into the Green Goblin. Yeah. Yeah. So you have it. He has a shirt. Lee has a shirt. It says, I killed Drew. <laughs> yeah, I do. So that you can make another shirt that go, I goblin. <laughs> yeah. I greened the goblin. <laughs> I mean, why not, dude? I was eating. This is so good. Like, you were eating out of the tr- Jeep. Yeah. I mean, there's not. There's not a that well that was I mean that's an iconic scene because there was hell nothing, yeah and that was that was hell of a ride. Did yeah. you do King Kong? No, I did not. No, I did the original. I did Batman with Tim Burton directed. No, yeah. There's another one you forgot. Yeah, that just came to mind. What did you do? I was uh, in the original Batman. Yeah, Tim Burton with uh, with. Uh, Dude, you! I've already just made you an extra hundred grand. Good, you need you. to fucking put this on your pictures. And so, we'll talk to our agent about that. Well, you could do it too. I don't even know if he knows this. Like the Batman, um, that's insane. You're in the DC universe as well. And then the great thing about um, what? Give me one iconic scene you did in Batman because I know so, you were a utility player. Yeah, right. And so our people out there are listening and watching. There's there's a thing called ND, which means nondescript or utility, right? Yeah. And it so that's you just, do a ton of shit. Yeah, that's just like, oh, you're here for the next two or three weeks. Go put this forward robe, fall down here, get mm-hmm. out of here, whatever. And you're all over the film. Yes. Um, and which is cool, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Right? You get to do some good stuff. And then, um, who was on that? It was that, Jack, um, Kim Basinger, Michael Keaton. So there's a was it. Is it Tom White? I don't Who's know. Who's the stunt guy that just died? I don't know. Oh, my God. Iconic guy. Um, super, super. There was good. a lot of henchmen. I could yeah. see you being a henchman. Yeah, I usually played it heavy, you know. Yeah. And things like that. It's not a big stretch. Um, <laughs> so, um, there's this scene. And, uh, God, was it? Good friends of Sean's, too. Was it Ted White? May have so. been Ted yeah. White. Yeah, Ted was, White, I think, did he pass I, away? Yeah, not too long ago. God rest his soul. Sweetheart of a yeah, guy. Yeah, legend. Right. And he was one of those dudes that back, that I want, you know, he was the guy that was in front of me by a generation. So mm-hmm. I looked up to him as a stuntman, stunt coordinator. He was a stuntman and, actor too, right? Right, good mm-hmm. actor. And mm-hmm. did, and he was one of the old school dudes talking about drinking and yeah. fighting and playing cards. I mean, they would play cards all night. All night. And then be on the set the next day. Hard drinking, hard women. Fun guy. Yeah. Right? And so there is this scene. I remember this is Tim Burton, right? Mm-hmm. And the scene is the Batmobile's coming around the corner, and there's all kinds of shit going. We had rig, we had stuff where stuff was flying and rigging. We had wires all over the place, right? And as all this crap's going on, Ted's playing a cop. He has a full length on. Has a full length leather coat with the hat. You know, copper, right? Mm-hmm. Just and look him fucking stud, <laughs> right? And so. There's this uh, things are popping and blowing off and all this stuff, and this is like there's like this water heater or something that starts rolling out into the street, which mm-hmm. not supposed to, right? Mm-hmm. But it's gonna blow the shot. So freaking freaking white without even missing a beat, and he's got a cigar in his hand. He comes over to it, 
stops this thing from rolling the street, kicks it out of the way, steps out of the way as the, as the Batmobile comes and saves the shot. Ah! Saves you, and it looks cool as shit. It's in the movie? Yeah, and Tim Burton goes, everybody's like, cut, yeah, that looks good. And Tim comes over to take it and thanks him personally for saving the shot because it was a freaking major reset. Yeah. You know, this wasn't 10 minutes. This was going to take six hours. Yeah. Right? And freaking, freaking fucking white, what a stud. He's just like, he's like, and he has a cigar and he's just owning it because he, he's that cool. He's yeah. that guy. You know, that was, a, I mean, that was like personified. I'm sitting there going, it was like this Clint Eastwood movement. <laughs> I'm like, God, that was so cool. But that's how good he was. He knew what was going on. He saw it, corrected it, saved the shot, saved hundreds of thousands of dollars in reset time, burning daylight. Wow. You know, that's that's how it was. Yeah. That's what a good set should be yeah. is one working unit. Yeah. And everyone covers each other's back. Yeah. So that was like my one. I learned a lot rigging-wise, you know, obviously doing my job, but to watch him command that respect and to run that and to see it and have that kind of forethought because, I mean, it was a busy scene. Yeah. And he just freaking owns it. Like, one damn. of our first huge comic book movies. Yeah. He's a legend, man. God yeah, bless him. He soul. was a, he was a soul. stud, man. He was a great guy. Dude, I think this is a good place. You, I could talk to you all day, oh God, man. You, you and I could just go all night. We could do it. We've got a lot more stories. We'll have to have you back and do some Anytime, more. Anytime. You know that. Anytime. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for bringing us together and, and you know, yakking and having a great time. Dude, we're going to have a great year. Oh, yeah, absolutely. A, my year is already booked and seen, and I yeah. know you're on most of these. Yeah. You'll probably end up being on all of them. Probably. And um, I hope so because this won't air before, but we're going to be. We're doing Creepy Con, but that will be already passed. Our next con together. Are you going to go to Planet Comic Con? No, skipping that. Um, I have. Plug out where you're going to be a couple. So we got Creep IE, which will already pass, but Mm -hmm. um, that was in SoCal here in Ontario. Mm -hmm. So that's this weekend. Mm -hmm. And then I got a quick break in the action, and then we have stuff in April together. Mm -hmm. What's at the end of April that you and I are doing? Uh, I think it's AstroCon or Texas Frightmare. That's in May. Yeah. So I don't know. Texas Frightmare is huge. Texas Frightmare is going to be massive. Right. And I couldn't do that a couple of years ago and because uh, I had a scheduling conflict, so I couldn't do it. So now we're back. Yeah. And, in fact, in fact, all three of you guys wore me out pretty hard on that one, especially Matt and Skeet. Yeah. <laughs> and then I think we'll probably be at Mad Monster in Arizona together. Yeah. So. Well, that's going to be a blazer, literally. July and August. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're going to yeah. rage. It's, uh, we'll have a great time. We'll see each other all the time. Go to, you have a website? Um, so we have originalghostface.com. And then really. Go to your Instagram. My Instagram is the Lee Waddell. Yeah. And uh, that's, and the good thing about that is I'm, I run my own show. Yeah. So if you're, if you catch me on Instagram and I reply, it is me. Yeah. And then you can get all my little sub accounts from there. And that plus I'll, I'll be updating my schedule um, next week. So that'll have everything coming up in the next six months, I think. Okay. All right, guys, trying to give you more from the movies. It's me. Like, subscribe, comment, fix some of these facts if we got them wrong. Much love. Peace. Appreciate it.